We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were going through the questions and the psychic insight about vampires, werewolves, and chupacabra. So, Dad, can you please continue with the questions about werewolves? Sure. In July of 1764, in Le, Le Gervadon, France, did a small girl go missing while tending the family's sheep to be found with the heart torn from the body? Yes. Was the little girl killed by a creature that walked upright like a man and was covered in hair and had a tail? She was killed by a creature, yes, but the description isn't 100% accurate. Were two other children killed in the same location around the same time by the same creature? Yes. Did the King of France, who at the time would have been Louis XV, send troops to Le Gervadon to kill the creature? Yes. Was the creature killed by the troops? Yes. Did the killings recommence a year after and then continue for several more years? By a similar creature, so not the same, but yes. Who or what was responsible for the killings? Basically a mutated creature, so it was a different species and no longer walks the earth, but it could be called a werewolf, but not a true transformational one. So it was kind of a hybrid werewolf. Yes, but not a 100% human transformational werewolf, since those do not exist on Earth. So it could be described as a werewolf today, but a hybrid one. Yes. Why did the killings end? The creature was killed. Why wasn't the creature being killed reported? Basically because the body wasn't able to be recovered, so there was no physical evidence for the reporting to occur. In 1936, did Mark Shackleman encounter a wolfman just east of Jefferson, Wisconsin, on Highway 18? No. Did the creature have a muzzle and features of both an ape and a dog with oddly formed hands? In his mind, yes, but he did not get a good glimpse of it. So, no, it was not actually that. What creature did Mark Shackleman actually encounter? A bear. In October of 1999, on Bray Road, Elkhorn, Wisconsin, what creature did Dorothine Gibson see that chased after her and jumped on to the trunk of her car? That was a what you could call hybrid creature, but it was not a werewolf. Was the creature apparently intent on harming Dorothine Gibson? Yes. What type of creature was it? You could basically call it a very negative creature. So it wasn't fully a creature you could think of such as a werewolf, but more of an evil entity. What was the evil entity doing in Wisconsin? So there are different creatures that are around that don't have one specific area. So you can think of them as very evil, negative creatures that exist in different places. So they don't really have one home. So there's no really connection to why it was in Wisconsin. It just kind of was. 
So there are similar creatures in Germany or France? Yes. Why don't we know more about these creatures? Because they're basically like spirits or energy. Since there's no physical body to recover, there's no physical evidence. Earlier in 1989, what was a creature with greyish brown hair, fangs and pointed ears and a long snouty wolf-like face that was seen by Lorianne and Rizzi when driving along Bray Road, Elkhorn, Wisconsin? That was actually just a wolf. Is there such a condition called lycanthropy where people believe they can, be, can transform into wolves? Yes. What is the fascination that humans have with werewolves? Basically the power behind becoming a werewolf so that they can transform from a normal everyday human into something much more powerful that can kill, cannot be defeated really. And also the fascination with the full moon. Since the full moon, the energy does change. So there's also this fascination of what actually happens when there is a full moon. Why are werewolves associated with the full moon? Basically, the full moon is thought of as, especially in ancient times, of being one of the most powerful energy times. So the thought was that the energy from the moon can be used to transform a human to a creature. Changing subject to Chupacabra, what was the creature responsible for a rash of alleged attacks in Puerto Rico in 1995? That was the creature, Chupacabra. Why did an eyewitness in Puerto Rico in 1995 give a description of Chupacabra based on a character from the movie Species? Basically to relate and to give a description that already exists. So a lot of humans will describe things as things they already know to make it easier for others to understand what they're saying and how something actually looks. In the year 2000, were Chupacabra sighted in the South American country of Chile? Yes. Were they, the site, were they the same type of animal as seen in Puerto Rico in 1995? Yes. Are Chupacabra bloodsuckers like vampires? So the difference is that chupacabras aren't human, but yes, they do suck the blood out of animals. Does the description about four feet tall, a big, like a big monkey with long clawed arms, enormous fangs, fangs protruding from its mouth, as well as a pair of wings accurate for chupacabra? The wings aren't always there depending on the species, but yes, that's pretty accurate. How do chupacabra kill if some of their victims don't show great loss of blood? Basically, they kill their victims by using their fangs that have a special, you could call it venom or poison. Were the chupacabra sightings in the United States just mistaking coyotes with bad coats due to parasites? Some of them, yes, but not all. Was the creature spotted by Scott Black in Houston, Texas in 2014, described as having big, long, pointy ears, long tail, no fur, with splotches of grey, a chupacabra? Yes. What happened to the creature after it was spotted by Scott Black? It basically just ran off, so that one was not killed. Is it still around? Yes. Was the creature spotted by Scott Black a result of crossbreeding exotic pets? No. Were the sightings reported around the same time in the state of Mississippi for Chupacabra or for many or for mangy dogs? Some of them, yes. So some were Chupacabra? Yes. What was the dog-like creature that was sighted in Kennebunk, Maine in 2013? That was just a dog. What was the creature looking like an albino wolf sighted by the two teenagers in Maine shortly before in 2013 that ended up dying under the porch?
That one was actually a wolf. Why wasn't the type of creature that was found dead made public, presumably after zoological analysis? Because it was just a wolf, but there was no reason to really release the information because they didn't want to seem inaccurate that they thought it was something else. What was the animal in the NBC article that was found near power lines along Route 4 in Maine, apparently struck by a car while chasing a cat? That one was a chupacabra. Was it the same creature sighted by Michelle O'Donnell about a week before that was evil-looking with a horrible stench? Yes. With a dead body to examine, why wasn't the identity of the creature made public? Basically because they're still studying it and the body was very hard to study. What were the creatures with chilling monstrous cries and eyes that glow in the night sighted in Androscoggin County, Maine over a 15-year period before 2006? Those were chupacabras also. Have chupacabra been sighted in Mexico? Yes. So what is a chupacabra? It's basically its own type of animal. So there are basically two categories. So there are the ones that look more like ape-like creatures and I've described as with wings, but that is pretty rare. And there are also the ones that do run on four legs, just like a dog or wolf. So basically they're grouped into the same category, even though they're not the same exact creature. But the only human name, obviously, so far has been the chupacabra for them. But they are basically a creature that's been on Earth for a long time. But they are very fast, very easily hidden. So it would be very hard to study them. So this goes back that it's very difficult for humans since they believe that they have discovered almost every creature. But there's still many out there. And chupacabras basically know how to stay away from humans since they know if they do meet a human, it's either they're going to have an attack the human or they're going to have to be killed. So they do have this sense that for survival, it's best to stay away from humans for the most part. So chupacabra are real creatures, not just energy entities. Yes, they're real physical animals. What can we, what can we learn from the fictional character Dracula and from werewolves and chupacabra? Basically, that humans are still discovering different creatures, and there are made-up creatures such as vampires, but there are also scarier creatures out there like chupacabras. So humans have a lot more studying to do in the area of, especially, animals and different creatures, since a lot of creatures were on this earth way before humans were. And in regards to vampires and werewolves, there are always going to be scary stories about them, just like there are ghost stories or just zombie stories or other stories. But some people do take that to the extreme, such as actually thinking that they are a werewolf or a vampire. But the thing is, is that it's fine to believe in these creatures or to watch movies or study these creatures. But again, some of them are fiction and some may not be fiction. But it's up to each person to believe in what they want to believe in. But in the coming years, if there is more study in animals, there is not going to be just the chupacabra, but many other creatures. Is it a possibility in the future animals like chupacabra and humans can live together without one having to kill the other? Yes, as long as there is mutual respect and just because an animal looks scary, it doesn't mean it's actually scary. That was the last answer. Are no living werewolves too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Wow, that was a fast episode and rather fascinating that some of these creatures actually lived or lived. Yeah. 
Well, as always, if anyone else is interested in creatures like I am, obviously, you can go to our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True with the first two spelled T-W-O or our website at toogoodtobetrue.net. And as always, thank you to the listeners and we look forward to next week's show. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. 
That's www.bradolson.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the Chupacabra and various sightings. There was also a sighting in Maine with no conclusion, which is strange given a body was found. The following article is from the 101.9 The Rock website in New Brunswick, Maine from 2013. And I quote, El Chupacabra, the legendary devil dog that has been exclusively scouring the southern states and Mexico for years, sucking the blood of livestock, may have just turned up in Maine. Wildlife officials say that a dog-like creature that was found in Kenbunk earlier last week has them stumped because they say the creature does not appear to be that of a coyote, wolf, or even a domesticated dog. Yet Maine wildlife biologist Scott Lindsay says he hopes that his team will be able to come to some conclusion as to exactly what the animal is sometime this week. This one's strange, he said. Some features on it did appear more dog-like, but up close, one feature that's typical of wild canine is that the teeth are totally clean, no tartar at all. Last week, a couple of teenagers spotted what they believed to be an albino wolf outside one of their windows. However, upon investigating a little further, they all agreed that the beast did not appear to be a wolf or a coyote for that matter. It came up and stared at us, said one of the teens. It was limping and its mouth was open. It seemed confused. The teens then ran back inside the house to call the police because they feared that animal was rabid. When they returned outside, they discovered that the animal had crawled underneath the porch and died, according to the police report. Wildlife officials say that after conducting preliminary studies on the animal, they feel confident that the strange beast is not a coyote, end quote. There was an earlier report from Maine in 2006. The NBC News website included the following, quote, Residents are wondering if an animal found dead over the weekend may be the mysterious creature that has mauled dogs, frightened residents, and been the subject of local legend for half a generation. The animals found near power lines along Route 4 on Saturday apparently stuck by, struck by a car while chasing a cat. The carcass was photographed and inspected by several people who lived in the area, but nobody is sure exactly what it is. Michelle O'Donnell of Turner spotted the animal near her yard about a week before it was killed. She called it a hybrid mutant of something. It was an evil, evil looking, and it had a horrible stench I'll never forget, she told the Sun Journal of Lewiston. We locked eyes for a few seconds and then it took off. I've lived in Maine my whole life and I've never seen anything like it. For the past 15 years, residents across Androscoggin County have reported seeing and hearing a mysterious animal with chilling monstrous cries and eyes that glow in the night. The animal has been blamed for attacking and killing a Doberman pincer and a Rottweiler in the past couple of years, unquote. We didn't discuss apparent chupacabra sightings in Mexico due to time constraints, but it is time for the first question. Okay, we'll start with um, Dracula. Why, like the fictional character Sherlock Holmes, does a fictional character Count Dracula seem so real? Basically because fantasy and fiction are very detailed. So when work is detailed by an author, it becomes very much more real. And there's also the aspect, too, of the human aspect. So when humans and human situations are put into some type of work, it makes it more plausible account that it could happen. Why did Bram Stoker choose Transylvania as a home of Count Dracula 
Was it because of the Mary Shelley novel Frankenstein or was it through the family name of Dracula? So there were multiple reasons. So yes, it could be for those reasons, but it also was somewhere more dark and dreary for the setting. So it was a host of different reasons. And that's the very admirable thing when authors do is that they base their work on multiple different situations combined instead of just one idea. Was Vlad the Impaler in Bram Stoker's mind at all when he developed the character for Count Dracula? Vaguely, but not exactly based on, no. Did Bram Stoker get the idea for the Dracula novel during a nightmare after eating a dinner of dressed crab? Yes. Why is the story about a monster with incredible superpowers defeated by mere humans so compelling? Basically, it comes to the fact that humans have to face their fears in many different ways. And a lot of fear actually comes from humans being the ultimate species. But there's always the option that something or someone more strong, powerful will take over. So in the case of having monsters, there's always has to be this out that humans can destroy them somehow, since humans are thought of as the top dogs or the top of the food chain. What is so fascinating about a creature that is almost immortal by not aging with passage of time and not dying of natural causes? It basically goes into one of the biggest downfalls of humans, which is aging. So if you think of aging as a whole, when humans get older and older, it doesn't only affect their physical body, but also their mental and psychological bodies. So their brain changes, they have different symptoms, they become more frail, and overall they are not as strong. So the idea that the monster creature can never age makes it so the monster creature never becomes frail, older, or runs into different issues. Did the idea for the human vampire arise about, uh, out of how human bodies decompose? Yes, that could be said. Why did it take doctors until around the 1850s to realize that touching dead bodies spread disease? Just because of the lack of knowledge. So the lack of knowledge that dead bodies, even though they are no longer living, also still carry these diseases. So diseases, and especially diseases in the human body, are still not completely researched. So back then, the knowledge was just not available or even uncovered. So it's just, uh, you could say they were uneducated about dead bodies and the human disease and body in general. Was the lack of understanding that disease could be contracted from dead bodies and not from the undead behind a lot of superstition? In a way, yes. So it depends on what situation you're discussing and what cultural impact. But there was a fear ever since basically the beginning of time is that disease can rapidly change and evolve. So it's one of humans' greatest. You could say one of humans' greatest destruction is disease since without understanding it, it can spread rapidly and it can really destroy and affect many different people. Why in modern times do some humans find it necessary to drink blood? That's a complicated question since we want to be as respectful as possible to those who do participate, but usually it goes back to something that either one, they were taught in childhood, or two, they want to be different. But there is this recommendation for everyone not to drink each other's blood since there is a risk of diseases. And also, it is not something that humans need to survive. So it's not only dangerous, but there's other ways to be different. Should we be concerned about human vampires drinking human or animal blood? There's not much you can do other than tell people the risks and have them decide from there. 
but they're the risk of many different diseases, and in most opinions, it wouldn't be advisable to share blood in any context, since blood is one of the, obviously one of the most ways that diseases and incurable diseases even can be spread. Is there such an entity as an energy vampire, human or otherwise? No. Is there such an entity as a psychic vampire, human or otherwise? In what context do you mean? I've heard of psychic attacks taking energy away from individuals, not making them feel as good as they should be. So there are psychic attacks and there are situations that could occur, yes, but it really wouldn't be called a psychic vampire since it's not done by a vampire. But yes, there are psychic attacks and spiritual attacks. Why would an entity psychically attack a person? Basically to influence their energy and make them more weak and also basically feed off their energy. So this would only happen in extreme cases and the entity would have to be let in in a different way. So for example, it could be someone uses a Ouija board, then the psychic attack happens. The entity makes it so the person isn't as strong in their energy and therefore a vicious cycle continues. Why are so many fascinated by the subject of vampires? One, because how famous they became in films. So especially within the last year, you could say 10, 15 years, there have been a lot more movies about vampires. And usually there's this draw in this image that vampires are these creatures that never age, are usually very beautiful, and they live kind of in the shadows and are different. So there's this different relationship with the people who know they're different and are different in relating to vampires since vampires are very different. So there's this kind of relationship between humans and a human-like creature. Changing subject to werewolves, were there creatures that could be described as werewolves in ancient times? You could call them that, yes. Were these either transformational werewolves or hybrid werewolves or both? There were both. Was there such a person as Peter Stube who lived in 16th century Cologne, Germany? There was a person, yes. Was Peter Stube executed for being a werewolf? The people accused him of that, yes. Had Peter Stube killed 13 children and two pregnant women and his own son? Yes. Had Peter Stube practiced black magic since the age of 12? Yes. Had he been sent a belt by an evil entity to be able to transform into a werewolf? No, he was not able to transform into an actual werewolf. So Peter Stube was a serial killer and not a werewolf? Correct, he was just evil. How does a non-hybrid werewolf trigger transforming into a werewolf and then trigger transforming back into human form? So werewolves have not existed on Earth for a very long time, so they would not be recorded in any modern history. But if there were werewolves on Earth, basically it's energy transformation. So it's this basically where they transform their energy into a different body in the form of a werewolf and then transform back into their human body. But we'll have to continue with the questions and the psychic insight after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God. Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. A maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Well, 
Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing werewolves and their connection to wolves. And I was saying that there seems to be a high level of fear with wolves since they do kill livestock. But also they have been known to attack and kill humans. Apparently wolves with the disease rabies are rare, but wolves are probably the most dangerous rabid animal. Going by the History Channel, werewolves are just mythological creatures probably arising out of the fear of wolves. Is there any evidence that werewolves are real? There are reports of werewolves from ancient times, but there is the case of Peter Stube from 1589. Here is an account from the website Altered Dimensions, which is apparently based on written records made at the time, and I quote, Peter was a German serial killer who was executed for being a werewolf in the city of Cologne. His brutal sentence included having his flesh pulled from the bones with hot pinchers, having both arms and legs broken so he could not escape, and finally having his head removed and his corpse burned, all of which was intended to ensure he remained dead. Unfortunately, his daughter and mistress were executed along with him, supposedly for withholding knowledge of his crimes. And what exactly was his crime? Peter confessed, yes, after being tortured on the rack, to having killed and fed on 13 children, two pregnant women, and his very own son. The werewolf of Berg, as he became known, terrorized the country for several years. Bizarre murders and vicious mutilations, including the consumption of fetuses that were removed from his pregnant victims, set the townsfolk on edge. After being caught, Peter explained that he had practiced black magic since he was 12 years old and that Satan had given him a belt that would allow him to transform into a werewolf. He described his transformation as the likeliness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws, end quote. So Peter Stube was a serial killer who apparently transformed into a werewolf, but is there any account of a hybrid werewolf? From the same website, the following description seems to be for a hybrid werewolf, as there is no account of any transformation. In the late 1700s, France experienced an unusual rash of werewolf mania. Although most confined to France, the terror did spread into Europe also. One notable case took place in July of 1764 in Le Gidon, France, where a small girl went missing while tending the family's sheep. Her body was found by local townsmen with the heart torn from the body. A short time later, two more children were found murdered in a similar manner. Townsfolk were baffled until a local woman spotted a creature in her field that walked upright like a man, was covered in hair, and had a tail. The creature chased her into town where she promptly reported the incident to authorities. Townspeople, of course, thought the story ludicrous and were certain that the woman was insane until a local officer of the town council also spotted the creature and gave the exact same description as the old woman. The creature immediately became the prime suspect in the murders, end quote. After the king of France was sent letters from the townspeople, the king ordered troops into town. They found the creature shooting and killing it. Unfortunately, killings recommenced a year after and then continued for several more years. The cancer werewolves move on to modern times in the state of Wisconsin in the upper Midwest of the United States. The Alter Dimension website is a mine of information. In the early 1900s, a rash of werewolf sightings occurred in the state of Wisconsin in the United States. 
1936, Mark Shackleman encountered a, a wolf man just east of Jefferson, Wisconsin, on Highway 18. As he was driving home, he spotted the creature digging in the dirt mound. He described the creature as hair-covered creature that stood erect and stood more than six feet tall. The face of the creature boasted a muzzle features of both an ape and a dog. Its hands were oddly formed with a twisted thumb and three fully formed fingers, end quote. Wisconsin is a location of the sightings of the Bray Road Beast. Bray Road is outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Again, from the Altered Dimensions website, quote, Reports in the same area of Wisconsin surfaced in 1964 and again in 1972. In October of 1999, the famous, infamous Bray Road Beast report came out of Delavan, Wisconsin. 18-year-old Doristine Gibson was driving along Bray Road when she felt a, bump, felt a bump on the car. Thinking that she had run over something, she pulled over to investigate. Doristine got out of the car to check the tires and then spotted a dark, hairy form racing toward her. She quickly jumped into the car and sped off as the creature jumped onto the trunk of her car. After word of Doristine's encounter spread, more local people began to come forward and share their tales of beastly encounters. Laurie Ann and Rizzi recalled an encounter that she had experienced in 1989. Driving along Bray Road, she saw what she initially thought was a person hunched over on the side of the road. She slowed down to take a closer look. She saw a beast with grayish brown hair, fangs and pointed ears. Her, his face was long and snouty like a wolf. The creature also had glowing yellow eyes. She had no idea what this thing could have been until she saw a book at, in, at the library that had an illustration of a werewolf in it, unquote. I had no idea that any of this could have happened in recent times. But apparently, in 1975, two cases reported in the medical literature for lycanthropy, which is the belief in being able to transform into a werewolf. I think we need to change the subject to chupacabra. What do you know about the alleged creature? I looked on the Animal Planet website. The first reported, cited, the first reported sightings were in 1995. Quote, a mix of vampire and, maraud and marauding fuzzy lizard, the chupacabra has become one of the most common beasts studied under the general heading of cryptozoology, the study of animals that may or may not be real. No one has ever caught a chupacabra, though plenty of eyewitnesses claim to have seen one. Descriptions vary. Eyewitness accounts during a rash of alleged attacks in 1995, mainly many in Puerto Rico, described the animals having a reptilian body oval head, bulging red eyes, fanged teeth, and long dark, darting tongue, according to a, a report at the time in the Daily San Juan Star, unquote. Following the events in Puerto Rico, there was a rash of animal deaths thought, thought to be caused by the chupacabra in Chile. The following is from the Fox News website from the year 2000, and I quote, Santiago, Chile. Last April, dozens of farm animals, sheep, pigs, chickens, began turning up dead in northern Chile, their bodies completely drained of blood and bearing odd vampire-like bites. For many Chileans, this could mean only one thing, the mythical chupacabras, or goat sucker, Latin America's version of Count Dracula, was back in the news. In the northern desert town of Camela, 
where the attacks first began, locals immediately began to hang crosses in front of their homes. Jose Emanuel Pino, a farm worker near the central city of Concepcion, is among the many Chileans who claim to have an up-close experience with the Chupacabras. It just stood there looking at me, Pino told local newspaper Cronica. It stood about four feet tall, like a big monkey, with long clawed arms, enormous fangs protruding from its mouth, as well as a pair of wings, end quote. It is really strange that sightings have only occurred in the last 25 years or so, but Wikipedia questions the credibility of the original sightings in Puerto Rico, I'll quote. A five-year investigation by Benjamin Radford, documented in his 2011 book, Tracking the Chupacabra, concluded that the description given by the original eyewitness in Puerto Rico, Madeline Tolentino, was based on the creature's seal in the science fiction horror film Species, unquote. The article continues, this Radford believes seriously undermines the credibility of the chupacabra as a real animal. In addition, the reports of blood sucking by the chupacabra were never confirmed by a necropsy in a way to conclude that the animal was drained of blood. An analysis by a veterinarian of 300 reported victims of chupacabra found that they had not been bled dry, unquote. In Benjamin Radford's five-year investigation in Central and Latin America, animals were alleged to be attacked with extraction of their blood, while in the United States reports were merely due to dogs or coyotes with mange or other parasites making their coats look bare. We hadn't mentioned the sightings in the United States. The Huffington Post website from 2014 includes a reported sighting in Houston, Texas. Quote, a Texas man claims he's seen an animal that he believes to be the legendary chupacabra running around in a gated community. Resident Scott Black took photos of the animal in the backyard of his condominium in Houston's Memorial neighborhood last Sunday. Black, who has seen the dog-like animal four separate times, believes it is chupacabra, a mythical beast believed to feed on the blood of goats and other animals. Big, long, pointy ears, long tail, had no skin or no fur, but you could see splotches of gray, Black told KXAN. After snapping photos of the alleged chupacabra, he sent them to a trapper from Ohio who visited and left cages to try and capture it. Houston animal control expert Claude Griffin believes that chupacabra could be the result of cross-breeding by exotic pets, unquote. The article continues mentioning other sightings in the southern United States. Quote, Chupacabra sightings occur with some frequency in the southern United States, but there's debate as to what the bizarre animals actually are. In October, a chupacabra spotted rummaging through garbage in a Mississippi neighborhood was thought to be a coyote with a particularly bad case of mange. About a month before that sighting, a man in northern Mississippi claimed to have killed a chupacabra on his property after the animal got into his chicken coop. Local animal officials told WJTV that it was probably just a mangy dog, unquote. We'll have to continue talking about chupacabras and vampires and werewolves after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV. 
plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome everyone to Too Good To Be Chew. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Today there is content that is not appropriate for younger people unless accompanied by an adult. The subject of today's show is vampires, werewolves, and chupacabra. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject then research the background and based on that research we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. 
This shall only last an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names. We apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of folklore, literature, medicine, or cryptozoology. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Today's subject was your idea. Vampires, werewolves, or chupacabra seem like the stuff of movies rather than subjects to be taken seriously. You know that mysterious creatures are my favorite subject. Let's start with the fictional character Count Dracula. Count Dracula, like the fictional character Sherlock Holmes, is talked about as if he were a real person. Count Dracula appeared in Bram Stoker's novel Dracula, first published in 1897. In the novel, Dracula attempts to move from Transylvania to England to find new blood and spread the curse of the undead. Dracula is, found, is fought by a small group of people led by Professor Abraham Van Helsing. So where exactly is Transylvania? It is in central Romania and is known as the land beyond the forest, bordered by the Carpathian Mountains. Romania is located in southeastern Europe. Transylvania is known for its for medieval towns and for castles, including Brand Castle, which is known as Dracula's Castle. Were in Frankenstein and his monster also from Transylvania? Yes, Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein, first published in 1818, was also set in Transylvania. We don't have time to discuss Bram Stoker's novel in any detail. Let's briefly go through Count Dracula's powers. Yes, the following is from Wikipedia, quote, Dracula has superhuman strength, which according to Van Helsing is equivalent to that of 20 strong men. He does not cast a shadow or have a reflection from mirrors. He is immune to conventional means of attack. A sailor tries to stab him in the back with a knife, but the blade goes through his body as though it, it is air, unquote. The article continues. The Count can defy gravity to a certain extent and, possess and possesses superhuman agility, able to climb vertical surfaces upside down in a reptilian manner. He can travel onto unhallowed grounds such as the graves of suicides and those of his victims. He has powerful hypnotic, telepathic and illusionary abilities. He also has the ability to, within limitations, vanish and reappear elsewhere at will. If he knows a path, he can come out from anything or any or into anything, regardless of how close it is bound, even if it is fused with fire. He has amassed cunning and wisdom throughout the centuries, and he is unable to die by the mere passing of time alone. Unquote. He, he could also command animals and influence the weather. Couldn't he also shapeshift? Here's another quote from the Wikipedia article. Quote, Dracula can shapeshift at will, able to grow and become small. His featured forms in the novel begin, being that of a bat, a wolf, a large dog, and a fog or mist. When the moonlight is shining, he can travel as elemental dust within its rays. He is able to pass through tiny cracks or crevices while retaining his human form or in the form of a vapor, unquote. Biting his victims leaves tiny wounds in the neck. 
Loss of blood causes death with the creature of new vampire who, like Dracula, are unable to die by aging alone. Before the victim dies or is rescued, biting allows Dracula to have hypnotic-like power over them. Dracula has a lust for blood that he cannot control. Dracula's weaknesses include sunlight and garlic, but has there ever been anything like a real human vampire? Vlad the Impaler, or Vlad Dracula, was born in 1428, is believed by some to be the inspiration for Count Dracula. Dracula means son of the dragon, or in modern Romania, the devil. Bram Stoker's son, Irving Stoker, stated that his father got the idea for Dracula from a nightmare following eating a meal of dressed crab. Vlad wasn't a vampire. There must have been something that prompted the idea of a creature that doesn't age and won't die of natural causes. I am not sure if natural causes apply to vampires. The National Geographic website provides some background. Often these legends arose from a misunderstanding of how bodies decompose. As a corpse skin shrinks, its teeth and fingernails can appear to have grown longer. And as internal organs break down, a dark purge fluid can leak out of the nose and mouth. People unfamiliar with this process would interpret this fluid to be blood and suspect that the corpse had been drinking it from the living. End quote. I think that is too much information. Maybe so, but here's more from National Geographic. Bloody corpse weren't the only cause for suspicion. Before people understood how certain diseases spread, they sometimes imagined vampires were behind the unseen forces, slowly ravaging their communities. End quote. The article continues. Trying to kill vampires or prevent them from feeding was a way for people to feel as though they had some control over disease. End quote. Remains with a brick pushed into the mouth of a skull have been found. The idea of the wooden stake through the heart to pin the corpse to the ground would follow the same logic. But it wasn't until the 1850s that doctors realized that germs spread from conducting autopsies actually killed people, not dead people paying a visit. Moving on to the here and now, I, I came across modern vampires that drink blood. Apparently, there are about 5,000 of them in the United States who consume donated human blood as well as animal blood. Here's an excerpt from the website, First to Know, from 2015. The John Edgar Browning referred to spent five years studying human vampires. Quote, each vampire has his or her, uh, her way of feeding on blood, according to vampire expert John Edgar Browning. Their friends and family usually allow the vampire to collect their blood and drink it for free. Other times, vampires pay their donors or reward them with sexual favors some resort to bleeding animals. According to Browning, vampires get a certain kind of energy from drinking blood. They can go from feeling drained to rejuvenated with just a small sample of the red stuff. On average, vampires feed two or three times a week, he said. Most never tell their doctors about their unusual diet, unquote. The article continues. Not all vampires drink blood. About 10,000 feed on energy and 5,000 are bloodsuckers, end quote. How is the blood extracted? It can't be like Dracula through two small incisions in the neck while the donor is sleeping. The London Guardian newspaper in an article from 2015 provides an explanation when interviewing one of the modern day vampires from the United States. Quote, instead, modern vampires get their sustenance from inch long incisions made by a sterilized scalpel in the fleshy part of the body that doesn't scar. Though the vampire might suck, up, suck it up directly from the source, Medically trained personal, personal, personnel sorry, usually perform the procedure. 
there's paperwork too. Donors don't just have to consent, but also provide health certificates providing the absence of bloodborne diseases. Still, feeding is essential and sacred ritual, unquote. Earlier, energy vampires were mentioned. I've heard of psychic vampires, but what is an energy vampire? Wikipedia describes energy vampires as follows, quote, the term energy vampires also used metaphorically to refer to people whose influences leave a person feeling exhausted, unfocused and depressed without ascribing the phenomenon to psychic interference, unquote. For contrast, a psychic vampire is described again by Wikipedia as follows, quote, a psychic vampire is a mythological creature said to feed off the life force of other living creatures. Psychic vampires are represented in the occult beliefs of various cultures and in fiction, unquote. I think it is time to talk about werewolves. Okay, according to the History Channel website, a werewolf is as follows, quote, the werewolf is a mythological animal and the subject of many stories throughout the world and more than a few nightmares. Werewolves are, according to some legends, people who morph into vicious, powerful wolves. Others are a mutant combination of human and wolf. But all are bloodthirsty beasts who cannot control their lusts for killing people and animals. Unquote. It sounds like in mythology there is a transformational werewolf and a werewolf that's a human wolf hybrid. In movies, the actors dramatically changing into a wolf-like creature and is the normal scenario. But what does the word werewolf actually mean? It's pretty simple. The word were in Old English just means man. So a werewolf is just a man-wolf. But man's best friend is related to the various species of wolves. I've only seen wolves in zoos. Wolves have been seen as a nuisance and have been hunted mainly to protect uh, domesticated animals. There are an estimated 300,000 wolves living throughout the globe. I think there is also a high level of fear of wolves. They hunt in packs and certainly will kill livestock. But we'll have to continue talking about werewolves and the chupacabra after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. 
That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.